You are listening to Critical Mass, Coast to Coast Radio Show, a national business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. This episode of Critical Mass, Coast to Coast, I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. And Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. These are all West Coast time, so please adjust if you're a different part of the world or the country. And, of course, all of our shows can be heard exclusively on Internet radio station, octalkradio.net, spanning the globe with our message of the power of peer learning. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, we do encourage you to consider listening live during our broadcast times. Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show is brought to you through a partnership of Critical Mass for Business with Renaissance Executive Forums Business Owners in select markets across North America. Our business owner that we're focusing on today is none other than Joe Carey, our good friend from the great state of Virginia and the city of Richmond. And I'm excited to speak with both of his guests, which he brought to our attention earlier this month. Renaissance Executive Forums is an international organization committed to helping members take their business to the next level. If you'd like to learn more about Renaissance Executive Forums, visit their website, www.executiveforums.com. This show is brought to you by our advertising sponsors, Brandman University, Center Club, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, S&H Rubber, Succession Strategies, our longest sponsor, tenured sponsor, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. The goal for the show is to help you, our listening audience, to make better and more informed business decisions. We do that by interviewing peers who have experiences that you can learn from. Okay, so let's uh, look at our first guest. I'd like to welcome Dean Williams, Managing Partner at Open Plan Systems, to the show. Dean, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. Welcome from, uh, good welcome from Richmond, Virginia. It's a beautiful place to be. Uh, let's start very simply. Uh, tell me a little bit about you, Dean. Tell us what's your background. You know, give us some history for you as a business professional. Uh, a background for me is a lifetime in the office furniture industry. So I sort of grew up to it uh, into my family business, who was doing primarily office supplies and business furnishings and mostly cash registers, typewriters, the whole gamut back in the early 70s. And so uh, I enjoyed that, but I wasn't really enjoying working for a family business. And I branched off and sort of started my own company doing strictly what we called contract furniture. Contract furniture is the furniture that was really sold to banks and big law firms and the higher uh, insurance companies and large corporations. And that's really what controls the majority of office furniture, the major companies uh, throughout the United States. And uh, so that took me for about a 10-year period of time, selling to large companies like Philip Morris or the large Wells Fargo, which Wells Fargo today used to be several different names, uh, banks and other companies like that. Didn't particular, after being in it for a long time, I didn't like the aspect of a major company telling me how to run my business, telling me what my margins were going to be. So it really wasn't sort of suited for um, my personality. So I've got more into what's classified as the mid-market office furniture, and that would be furniture that the normal guy running a small, mid-sized company would be 
looking for. We were representing such lines as the Han Company. The Han in the office furniture industry has been along around for many, many years as a uh, mainstay all over the world and certainly here in the U.S. Uh, mainly where it's manufactured. But products like that is what we were focusing on. And we were sort of a retail business that was selling to a uh, individual companies, and we were bringing what was known as sort of that contract mentality, the same type of mentality that was used for major corporations. We were bringing it now at mid-market and made it successful. So I was in that business for six years. I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy the retail aspect of it, didn't like Saturday hours, didn't like the long hours that come with retail. And so we were able to uh, sell that company and do very well. And uh, so my initial thought was after I sold the company, and this was in '96 that I would sort of sort of retire and maybe become an investor with stocks because in 96 nobody could make a mistake investing in <laughs> stocks. And uh, I did very successful until about 97, 98. And then I found that you really had to be talented in anything that you take on. And I really wasn't uh, uh, the type of person who did the studying to make sure I was making all the right investments. And so I was not as successful in the stock market when a lot of people were doing day trading and other things like that. So I sort of lost some of my initial investments that I had made there. And I said that I better go back to what I, I know. And that was office furniture. And that sort of led us into what we're doing today, which is uh, started out as remanufacturing which I'll explain later, but the remanufacturing yes. and selling new office furniture is sort of how we got here today. And when you say we, let's talk about the team. Can you share well, with us? Well, uh, it actually started as a three-person operation with my son, myself, and my wife uh, starting this uh, back in 2001. My son was smart like he, like I was, and he really didn't like working for Dad, and, I've, I, and I knew that because I'd been through that whole agenda and uh, usually in businesses, it can only be one person. It's run more like a dictatorship than a democracy, unfortunately, in small businesses. And, and sometimes that doesn't work well within family members because somebody's got to make those final decisions. So he decided to do his individual thing, which happened to be in the outside business, cutting trees. He's done a very successful with that, and I'm, and I'm supporting him all the way on his endeavors. Uh, as we grew, my daughter got back in, or got into our business, and she was a... Uh, I had a career with Verizon and wanted to get into the family business. So today the stockholders, and we are a women-owned company, uh, with my wife being the CEO, my daughter being in charge of customer service and design, and I handle the, the sort of overseeing the operations and buying overseas type of products and sort of the new development of programs and products. Excellent. Let's talk a little, and let me be sure to let, remind you that I'm talking with Dean Williams, managing partner at Open Plan Systems. Maybe some could call him the COO of the operations there as well. And I want to thank Joe Carey, our Renaissance Executive Forum's business partner, for bringing both Dean and his firm to our attention. Let me take you back in time a little bit to, unfortunately, not that long ago when the economy slowed down and we had a period of what is now called the Great Recession. Talk to us, Dean, about the impact of that on your firm and maybe on the clients that you have in the greater Richmond area. Well, we, uh, we've seen this happen before. Back in the early 90s, we saw it happen with the, uh, the bank consolidation. Uh, in the late 90s, we saw it happen in, with the internet, internet consolidation of companies when they started going down. And from the office furniture standpoint, Banks were becoming selling furniture cheaper and more often than furniture dealers. And the same thing when the Internet process sort of collapsed a little bit, 
all those people who had bought all these brand-new workstations were selling them for a much less than what the dealers were selling for. And back in 2008, we experienced a, certainly a uh, slowdown like most. It was a 25% slowdown for us. So we had to be willing to um, accept that and make some difficult decisions about what we can commit to as far as time or employees and how we cut back. And, and fortunately, um, part of our whole process has been sort of be conservative. And that conservative nature allowed us to be able to stash away enough money to fortunately support the bad times as well as the good times. And, and I think that was important because if we were always pushing hard, trying to expand, and never putting anything away, when somebody hits the brakes, everything hits the brakes because all of a sudden people aren't paying you as fast. Um, you've got products still coming in because you couldn't plan for it as fast. So there's a lot of things in place that can hurt businesses uh, if you're not cautious about that. You know, that is a, we look for teachable moments, learning opportunities here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show, and Dean Williams just gave us one because we are now, it feels like, every day a little bit more so, in a post-recessionary uh, time with slow growth but steady growth, and those entrepreneurs who maybe haven't had the pleasure of living through a recession or at least had the lessons learned from that, maybe they don't recognize the need to Save for a rainy day in business as well as your personal life, right, Dean? A absolutely. I mean, the most critical thing you can do is that, first off, if somebody owes you money, you need to make sure you collect it. If you owe somebody money, you need to make sure you pay it timely or you communicate with them. Uh, those have always been uh, two of the things that have helped me through life and through business uh, most often because my relationships with both the customers and my relationships with my vendors uh, are always the most important and uh, you, know, you can you can think big, you can act big, but you still have to. There's a lot of things you still have to be conservative in to be successful. We're going to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Coast Coast Radio Show, which is a show we do in partnership with Renaissance Executive Forms. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Dean Williams, and I'm going to ask you, Dean, to talk about this concept of remanufacturing and what that business model looks like, and why and how you have selected that as the go-forward strategy uh, for your firm, firm Open Plan Systems. We're going to cover some other details, too, and some other topics like his guiding principle. But first, let's hear from these commercial sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well... What happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. I'm speaking with Joanna Stasiak-McBeth, Senior Vice President for Cash Management at Commercial Bank of California. Can you share with our audience Commercial Bank of California's approach to cash management? Absolutely. From simple online accounting reporting to a full cash management solution, we have exactly what 
your business needs. Our secure online access allow you to access your balance reporting, online electronic statements, stop payments, uh, process your outgoing international and domestic wires, process your ACH origination services. We also have online logbox services, target balance accounts, loan sweep, same-day clearing presentment, and every other solution that your business will need. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.cbcal.com or at our new headquarters at 19752 MacArthur Boulevard in Irvine. Today's businesses are embracing voice over IP telephones and unified communication desktop technologies to more effectively communicate and collaborate with their customers, suppliers, and colleagues. The Reliatel management software from Tone Software Corporation helps organizations of all sizes manage their communications technologies to ensure great voice quality and better levels of service and reliability throughout their business. Through Reliatel, you'll gain higher return on investments from VoIP and unified communications technologies while lowering the associated operational support and maintenance costs. Learn more. Visit www.tonesoft.com or call 800-833-8663 for information on Reliatel by Tone Software, the solution for quality business communications. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show. It's our radio show that we do in partnership with Renaissance Executive Forums, business partners across North America. I specifically want to thank Joe Carey from Richmond, Virginia, for sponsoring both of our guests today on the radio show. Before I get back to speaking with Dean Williams about remanufacturing as a business model, I want to let you know that I really appreciate our audience who listen and download our radio show from our various podcasting sites Over the last 30 days, you've downloaded over 16,000 episodes. And we here at the program appreciate your continued and your growing support. We've doubled our downloads since January of 2013, and we're looking to double them again. So tell a friend about Critical Mass Radio Show. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, Hundreds of middle market firms whose CEOs have been on our, ra- our radio show. Hopefully someday our, this program will be on Dean's website, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, and other podcasting services. All right, Dean, welcome back to the show. I said, I said before the break I wanted you to explain both the concept of remanufacturing of furniture, office furniture, and also how you and the team selected that concept. Well, the, the sort of the concept of it became by customer demand. Uh, we started by just offering some used product, and primarily our focus is into the uh, cubicle arena. We call them workstations as well, but where you have the office panels and the and the components that hang off of that and to make workstations. So we were initially doing used product from a variety of sources and different manufacturers, and because of the significant savings customers could get, uh, they were having increasing our demand. So we were doing multiple lines, and then we ended up doing only one particular product line, which ended up being Herman Miller, 
and Herman Miller is a um, you know, Fortune 500 type company, and they've started the cubicle process back in 1968. So the process has been around for a long time. The concept has been around for a long time. What we were doing was offering an alternative solution. As we had more demand and you couldn't receive enough, enough used product to complete that demand because you may have panels in one side and demand for another size, that we started doing the remanufacturing where we could make what the customer needed and continue to provide them a better quality. Uh, as the remanufacturing continued to grow, we had to be able to supplement everything by being able to make it 100% brand new as well. So that sort of brought us in today's environment where we do both remanufacturing, we call it our sustainable solution, and certain parts of the stations that we buy from all over the country are actually brought in and they are either reused by completely stripping down, just like a, taking a car engine and rebuilding that car engine. It's a similar process. And the parts that we can't use, we focused on recycling. The recycling aspect of it, sort of my wife made me aware of this when we just started about 10 years ago at home recycling our trash. And when we realized how little trash was going into the trash can at the end of the week and how much was recyclable materials that was going to the recycling company that would pick it up, you know, there's no reason that we can't do the same thing at work. And actually, it has, where everything from plastics to metals, aluminums, whether it's steel, to wood, to fabric, each one of these products that we bring in, we've discovered a way that we can recycle that product. Sometimes we get paid for it. Sometimes we pay to have it recycled rather than to put it into a landfill. But we basically almost have a less than 2% of our overall product is sent to a landfill. We're trying to improve that even greater, but basically we've come up with a solution for almost all of the product that comes into here to eliminate going to a landfill. It either is reused or recycled. So you have an element of being a green company in your business model then? Oh, extremely. And, and once you get into that, just like doing it at home, you find something else you can do it with. We've taken it throughout the company that when we ship product out, everything has, is shipped with recyclable materials. When we paint product, all the paint is reclaimed, so we have no waste. We have no VOCs in our company, uh, that, and chemicals going into the uh, atmosphere at all. Everything is contained. We don't deal with any chemicals that uh, would harm the environment or employees, but we're able to do that with our particular processes. So it just sort of becomes uh, one of these things that it, it grows on itself. The more you do, the more you want to do. Well, you gave us at least, by Mike, tabulation our second learning moment teaching opportunity here on critical mass coast to coast radio show dean williams which is sort of the the realities of why you did it but then maybe an unintended consequence is that it, it accelerates your looking for and finding ways to continue to you know do that throughout your entire business model so hopefully others that are listening to us either live on octalkradio.net or as a podcast off of one of our podcasting sites can see if they can adopt or adapt those kind of philosophies into their business because I dare to say every business, regardless of the industry, can probably take a look at their footprint that they're putting out and seeing how they might be able to reuse or recycle the materials that are fundamental to their business process. Yeah, and most almost every process as well, although you, you hope to do it for the correct reasoning, but it also has a 
economic value to it as well. For instance, we had in Virginia, it's the uh, Dominion Virginia Power, that is our utility company, and they had a program where they would rebate you a certain amount of money to change all your lights in there to a more efficient light. And that hmm. program repaid for itself in just a matter of four to five months, which was amazing by getting rid of the old lights. They actually came in and recently did a study of turning on our equipment at 6 a.m., and then some at 6.30 and some at 7 is actually starting, because of the startup process, is saving us money uh, simply as, a coming, as opposed to coming in and starting it all at 7.15 in the morning. So, it's, again, one thing leads to another, and a lot of them have some significant economical value as well as to uh, value to the, the, the earth as well. I love this radio show because you never quite know, Dean, what's going to show up on the other end of the program as far as a guest and where they're going to take you in the conversation. And I can honestly say, ladies and gentlemen, that was not a conversation that I had in my show notes that we were going to talk today. But, Dean, I'm glad you opened the door to that because I think that's a powerful message for our listening audience across the country to hear. So I'm talking with Dean Williams. He is managing partner at Open Plan Systems in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, let me ask you, Dean, kind of a perfect segue into what we call here on Critical Mass your guiding principle. And what I mean by that is of all the things that you and Pamela kind of have learned in your business experience and working together and growing your firm, do you have an overarching philosophy, a business attitude, that you, approach that you take with your business? And if you have one, would you share that guiding principle with our audience today? Well, it's sort of twofold. Uh, first off, I think I've learned most of what I have done in business and in life, and and you have to understand uh, I have no college education. My experience is, of course, I had high school, and I wasn't even at the top of my class. But I've ended up being one of the more successful folks from my class, and that's really been by a hard work principle. And the customer is always right. You do everything that you can for that particular customer. And there's no reason or nothing to be ashamed of by failing. Most of my learning experiences have been through failures that I've, I've had throughout my life, um, personal as well as business but being able to understand that you can get past those failures and you can succeed. And my most successful career has been after I turned 50 years old. And, wow. uh, and my most, most enjoyable part of my life has been since I've been 50 years old. So yeah, it doesn't always have to start and stay at a young age either. Sorry, Dean, but I was going to say that can't be that long ago that you turned 50 years old. I see your, your photo here on your webpage, and you look... You look less than 50 years old, for God's sakes, and your bride looks definitely less than 50 years old. So you must have married a younger lady there when you got married those years ago. Uh, I did. Thank you. <laughs> All right. No problem. Um, you know, I think that is, a again, a, a thought worth sitting on for a second here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show because failures don't define you unless you let them. Right, Dean? And in, in the idea that you actually learn more from failure than success um, – I think that is, in fact, a universal truth in the business world. It's what you do about what you learned with that lesson from failure that really can propel you to future you know, growth and success, isn't it? Uh, very much so. And as you get older, your, your tolerance for risk becomes less. I mean, it's just common sense. And, uh, but you know, there's nothing wrong with taking risk. You just have to evaluate it to where you are in life what your chances are and whether it's appropriate to, uh, to move forward on something. But, uh, again, without taking chances, I would not be here today. 
to give your listeners a perspective, we basically grew our company from 2001 from three people and 3,000 square feet. Today in 2014, we're 160 people and 280,000 square feet, of which we own. And we have a business that uh, does in the $35 million range. So we've been very fortunate through hard work and perseverance and reinvestment into our, our company to uh, be able to do those things. doesn't have to be from education. That's positive. People who, who have a better education can usually get here much easier than some of us who don't and have to much, work much harder to get there. But it doesn't mean that anybody can't be successful and don't let failure stand in your way. Uh, that you're, you are an excellent guest, and I want to thank uh, Joe Carey again for suggesting your company. I, again, had no idea uh, the scope and size of your firm. Uh, I had a mental model that was something slightly smaller than the business that you and Pamela and your daughter and the other employees, the valuable employees, have been able to build there in Richmond, Virginia. So fi- final question, and I actually have two. The next to last question is very simply. i got about two minutes left here on the radio show, Dean. Um, what's the future hold for your firm? Uh, well, we are a niche player in our industry. We compete with companies that do billions of dollars of work. Uh, so we have to understand who we are and to make sure that we stay with our, in our scope to be successful. And so we'll continue to do that. We do see growth, uh, continued operation. We do sell products nationwide, although we don't have distribution uh, through uh, our own locations. We deal sell through dealers, but we're looking to expand in the Dallas and the California market. So that's where we plan to, to see our expansion go over the next five to seven years. Excellent. Well, I think you have a perfect uh, foundation for that, and it sounds like the markets that you're picking have high growth potential and probably have room for another vendor in that space, especially someone with your capabilities. So if if someone in those markets is listening to this radio show live or as a podcast and they say, hey, I think I want to learn more about open plan systems how do they find you online well just right there openplan.com and uh you can see our website there's a contact uh information on there and you can uh if you want information from myself just ask say please have dean williams contact me and send your email and i'll be more than happy to follow up dean i tell you i've been on your website and it's very modern in its design i'm not sure how long this version of your website has been in place but i want to commend your team uh, I see. I see a lot of websites in, in here doing what I do. This is a very clean and easy to navigate and modern feeling and looking website. Well, that that's great to hear. Actually, that particular website was just launched uh, less than two months ago, and uh, we did have a local company here in Richmond that uh, did that. Plus, we have our own marketing team of three people that do all of our literature and and those type of things, and they were instrumental in putting that together as well. So, um, I'll pass that feedback on. I'm glad to hear it. Can't wait until I come back to your website and see the player loaded on your website with this interview here on Critical Mass Radio Show. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program and a part of our ever-growing community. Again, thank Joe Carey for bringing you to our attention. Continued success for your business and continue to scale it nationally as you plan to do, Dean Williams. Great. Thanks. I enjoyed it. All right. Have a good day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take commercial break. Number two, don't go anywhere. I know this is the time where you may think I can go somewhere, but there's such valuable words of wisdom coming up in the next two and a half minutes. Stay tuned, and then when we come back, our second guest, who is the founder of Hardywood Park Craft Brewery. And for those of you that listen to this radio show, you know that I'm a beer drinker at heart, having grown up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I'm really excited to talk with Eric McKay after these words from our commercial sponsors. (laughs) When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, 
We all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. that over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself, 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. CBC is ranked in the top 6% nationally for financial strength. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willey of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we are bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.cbcal.com. Or at our new headquarters at 19752 MacArthur Boulevard in Irvine. Member FDIC. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. 
Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. And as promised, we have our next guest, Eric McKay, founder of Hardywood Park Craft Brewery, on the line. And he's going to be our focus guest for the next two segments. But first, let me let you know that our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show is the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain a valuable exposure through their support of our program. With our exclusive and unique prospect engagement program, Critical Mass Radio Show delivers up to 23 warm prospects each year to our platinum-level sponsors. To learn more, contact Rose Chamora at 951-515-4661. 951-515-4661. I know Rose is manning the phones right now in the sales office. Would love to talk with you and show you how we can help drive engagement and more revenue to your business through our prospect engagement program all right eric welcome to the show hi richard thank you very much it's my pleasure to have you here and i want to thank joe carey for bringing you and your microbrewery to our attention so tell me a little bit about your background sure so um i graduated from davidson college down in north carolina in 2003 and uh, spent about six months working in finance for a boutique hedge fund in Greenwich, Connecticut, and it was sort of a, a slow time. This was back in 2003. It was a slow time in the, the finance world, and my real passion had been in in craft beer and brewing. I'd been a home brewer since 2001 and apprenticed at a, a brewery in North Carolina during my last year of college. So I ultimately found a position as a sales rep with a company called Union Beer Distributors, which was a, a Anheuser-Busch distributor uh, historically, which was venturing into craft beer and worked for them in Manhattan for a couple of years and worked into a management position and ultimately became the marketing director for their parent company, the L. Knife & Son Companies, which is based in Kingston, Massachusetts, and has uh, a number of Anheuser-Busch distributors but has really grown its business by growing the craft beer distribution side of its business. So they now distribute beer for hundreds of American craft breweries and uh, an incredible number of imported artisanal breweries. And through that experience, got to learn quite a bit about uh, a side of the business that a lot of craft brewery owners don't really get to have a, a clear picture of. So I have to ask you to define the word artisanal for our audience, and frankly, Well, ha- handcrafted for sure and using the best quality ingredients. That's sort of the simplest answer. Okay, so when you talk about craft, a craft brewery, you consider yourself artisans then and uh, creating these different brews that you create. We do, yeah. Yeah, the uh, Brewers Association is the national organization for, for craft uh-huh. brewers, and they uh, define the craft brewery as a brewery that's small, independent, and uses traditional ingredients. So the, the trend from the, basically from the, 30s up until, or basically pro, post-prohibition up until the early 80s was really growth in through the industrialization and ultimately a very small number of firms producing the vast majority of the beer using non-traditional ingredients, ingredients like corn syrup and 
uh, rice syrup as uh, core ingredients in beer, which is not used in craft brewing. I see. So the, the, um, I have had on our other sister versions of the Critical Mass Radio Show family um, other craft um, brewers from Southern California. It is San Diego, North San Diego County, is a very hot, a very hot area for craft brewing, and it's moving into Orange County as well as you know the, the whole state, if not the whole country, right? So, how is the market or the area around Richmond for craft brewing? It's growing. It's becoming uh, really a hot market, and to use your uh, case in point. Um, Stone Brewing, which is the largest brewery in the San Diego region, uh, just recently announced that they're going to be building their first East Coast brewery in the city of Richmond. So I think that's very much an indication of what the potential in this market is. And ultimately, when Patrick, who's my business partner, and I decided to start Hardywood, we selected Richmond because it had a great number of cultural trends that we thought was conducive to uh, growth in the craft brewing sector. And at the time, the number of breweries in Virginia was on the low side nationally. We had, I think we ranked 37th in the, in the country in terms of breweries per capita back when we opened in 2011. And since then, we've, we've made quite a bit of progress, and the local market share for craft beer has grown from uh, about 2% when we opened to about 3%. We're about 3% of the beer consumed in Virginia is now made by Virginia craft breweries. So there's certainly been considerable growth. That represents about 50% growth. Stone will contribute greatly to that. They're planning to brew 100,000 barrels in their first year, which is about the same amount that the 80 Virginia breweries produced combined in the, in the past year, um, but uh, still believe that there's tremendous room for growth beyond that. Yeah, that opens up a, uh, an area that I wanted to go to next. I'm talking with Eric McKay. He is co-founder, I guess, of Hardywood Park. Yeah, co-founder, founder uh, Hardywood Park Craft Brewery. Is the market for beer growing because of the craft brewing sensation and phenomena? The market for craft beer is definitely growing, and it has been consistently since at least 2002, 2003. There was certainly some bumps in the market, uh, particularly in the late 90s, where the craft brewing market started to really fizzle, and, and there was actually a decline in the amount of uh, what was characterized as craft beer sold nationally. And a lot of that was because people were getting into the industry for the wrong reasons. They, they saw it as a great financial opportunity. There were a lot of regional, uh, larger regional breweries that were making a contract brewing a lot of this beer at a quality level that was really subpar, and ultimately people tried what they were thinking of as micro-brewed beer and not really enjoying it, largely due to quality control issues, and and started to shift away from it. And since the late 90s, the growth has been pretty consistent and characterized by breweries who are brick and mortar. They're making the beer themselves, and they're really driven by a passion for the product rather than for for dollars and and, uh, I think that's helped to, to build a, an industry that's characterized by quality, largely, and um, integrity, and ultimately uh, really good, reliable, and consistent beer. It's interesting because it's it's a uh, my understanding of your uh, of your segment of the of the beer industry is that it's kind of a uh, I don't know if a brotherhood's the right word, but there's a very 
symbiotic relationship between the craft brewers around the country, and it's really, I think, works to your your segment's benefit. Uh, I understand I have about a minute left for our next commercial break, uh, Eric, but I understand that one of your creations, the gingerbread stout, a very popular brew, but also was sort of, uh, you know, taken hold here in Los Angeles with a with a microbrewer out here as a tribute. Can you can you share that story a little bit, and then we'll go to our commercial break? Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, Golden Road Brewery that was started by Meg Gill, who's a Richmond native, um, I think through that sense of camaraderie and, and um, fellowship in the industry, we've been able to connect with Meg, and um, she comes home for the holidays, and so we've we've shown her our brewery, and um, her brother's a regular at our brewery, and um, through that relationship, sort of, she, she was really interested and excited by our gingerbread stout, which is a style that, that we released for the first time commercially. It had never been brewed before, and since we brewed it, a number of other breweries have um, sort of taken on to the style and made their own interpretation of it, and Golden Road just released their uh, back-home gingerbread stout, which is sort of a, a tribute to um, the, I guess, the long lines that her brother would wait in to uh, get our beer on our bottle release of our gingerbread stout, um, which is pretty exciting to see that that sort of joint enthusiasm and, and collaboration and um, sense of camaraderie come to fruition with um, beers that are sort of tributes to what other breweries that are really, you know, just as young and, you know, working toward similar goals. And so it's it's very exciting, and we can't wait to try that beer out here on the East Coast. Well, it's, it's interesting to me because for many years, if not decades, the entrepreneur was alive in your industry through distribution and bottling and and um, kind of ancillary services to the to the to the mega brewers and now entrepreneurship is alive and well at the brewer level as evidenced by these by the craft brewery firms that are throughout the country and really and, and almost like a technology idea where you guys are 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 not uh, you're not ganging together in a sense of um, of, of cooperation but you're you're sort of densely focused in an area which I think really then begins to get a, a reputation as that area as North Orange, uh, North San Diego County is, and now Richmond is becoming in, in many other places across the country. So I, I love to see this because it's kind of cooperation, you know, that everybody, everybody kind of works together, and, and by being uh, in a similar location, it actually helps everybody else's brand because people come there to, to experience multiple different flavors and craft brewers. So I, I think it really works well together. Agreed. Yeah, I think Cooperation is a perfect word for it. All right. We're going to take our, our last commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And if you are like me and you love entrepreneurs and you like creativity and you like people who have a craft and you enjoy a good brew, then stay tuned because we've got much more to talk about with Eric McKay after these words from our valued advertisers. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. SNH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. 
If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and Viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the S&H brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let S&H be your ceiling solution. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. this edition of Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We're talking with Eric McKay, founder of Hardywood Park Craft Brewery. So um, let's get back to talk about the business. Now, one of the challenges that I have seen from the outside in, in your space is the ability to seamlessly scale the business through different kind of milestones. And um, you talked about volume and you talked about the volume of the craft beer that's made in the greater Richmond area and how that continues to increase. But you're a manufacturer at, at some level, a food producer, if you will, and there are some real constraints in just the process and timing and capability. How are you and your partners and, and the business addressing those very real governors on growth or at least challenges to growth that, that are in your industry? Sure. Well, we're always faced with bottlenecks in in the production process and we are at in its simplest sense we are a factory and from the very beginning we started out hand bottling our beer one bottle at a time with a forehead filler we could fill about 60 bottles an hour and last september we celebrated a big milestone stepping up to a uh, automated bottling line that can do 3,000 bottles an hour but to get there we needed to put in all kinds of other infrastructure new air compressors, new tanks, um, and, and those, you know, certainly come at, at a, a premium from a, from a cost standpoint. So ultimately, in brewing, you, you're dealing with a lot of moving parts, both on the production, the distribution, and, and the sales side of things, and to get them to all work together is, is a challenge that every small brewery faces. So we've tried to tackle those bottlenecks one step at a time and try to take the appropriate steps in terms of pursuing financing to get the right pieces of equipment to get you to that next level. And um, one thing that's helped us tremendously in that process was the law changing in Virginia, allowing small breweries to sell pints, which for us provided that revenue stream that enabled us to buy this these new pieces of, of equipment and hire additional people on the manufacturing side to help us uh, package boxes and brew more beer and um, ultimately sell more beer. Um, so it's it's an exciting uh, and dynamic environment that if if you enjoy tackling all those challenges at once can be an exhilarating experience for an entrepreneur. So so let's talk about the inputs to the process, the raw materials. 
with this segment of the beer industry growing at such a rapid pace and and how, how have you found sourcing the type of high quality ingredients that you must have to maintain and enhance your brand how has that um, how has that been for you and your firm sure so the basic core ingredients for beer are barley hops and yeast um, that's essentially all you need to make beer uh, with water of, of course being the last and uh, so far, we've um, had some challenges with hops. In particular, there are certain varieties of hops that are relatively new, and they contribute very unique aroma and, and flavor characteristics to beer. And so for us, getting a hold of certain hops to make certain beers has been a challenge. And the way we've dealt with that is by keeping certain beers as limited in release at first, and, and as we can get access to um, a consistent contract for a specific hop variety will we'll make that beer more widely available. And um, we did that recently when we obtained a contract for Citra hop, hops, which are grown some in Northern California, but also Oregon and Washington and Idaho. And, um, and that's enabled us to make a, a new year-round beer become available, and it's become a very popular one for us. It's actually a West Coast-style IPA uh, based on the, the styles that have become popular in Southern California and uh, that are aggressively hopped and that have a bright citrusy character. Another challenge has been more specialty ingredients that we're obtaining locally. We have a reserve series of beers that uses local ingredients as sort of the showcase in, in the flavor characteristic of the beer. And with our gingerbread stout that we mentioned, we use local ginger. And so we're working very closely with a local farm, Castlemont Farm, to try to help them um, scale up their farm operation and grow more ginger every year. Um, we also make a blackberry beer in the summer called Virginia Blackberry and um, used about 4,000 pounds of blackberries from a local farm and are, are working with them to, to scale up their um, operation as well so we can continue to provide a growing level of support without overwhelming um, these small uh, local uh, farms and businesses. How do you know you have a hit on your hands? How fast after you when in the process do you know, hey, this beer has legs? Usually about five minutes into the release. We, we generally <laughs> celebrate our releases with an event at the brewery. Okay. And uh, I've been terrified leading up to every one because you never know, especially when it's a totally off-the-wall style that has never been shown before. You never know what people's reactions are going to be. But with being there and seeing people's face-to-face -face reactions and then watching social media and seeing what people are tweeting and what people are posting to apps like Untapped, you can see what people think of it pretty quickly. And um, Beer rating websites like RateBeer and BeerAdvocate.com um, quickly uh, give you a pretty good feel for what the public thinks about a specific beer. And there have been some beers we've been very excited about that have been complete flops and some that we weren't completely sure about that have been incredible successes and are some of the top-rated beers in the world. Wow. What a fascinating business, and it's, it's such a personal business. You know, being in the food industry has its advantages in that you can hand somebody your product and they can immediately tell you if they like it or not. You know, I've always been envious of that. But it's also a challenge because it's, it's trying to figure out what's the right combination between differentiation and taste and then mass appeal enough to make it a, a product worth investing in. So uh, it's it's wonderful work. The energy level from an entrepreneurial perspective that's going into the craft 
beer industry across North America. And, and thank you for being a, a contributor to that in the greater Richmond area and, and a part of the larger community. And, and, and if someone wants to learn about your firm and your offerings, how do they find you online, Eric? The best way is our website, hardywood.com. Um, but uh, we're also on Facebook at, at uh, facebook.com slash hardywoodbeer. And we're on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at hardywood. And hardywood is spelled how? H-A-R-D-Y-W-O-O-D. Eric, I want to thank you for sharing a little bit about your fascinating industry and your business. Wish you continued growth and success. Uh, Thank you for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Critical Mass slash Renaissance Executive Forums community across North America. It's our pleasure, Richard. Thank you so much. Our pleasure here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap it up for this edition of Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I'd like to thank... Joe Carey, in particular, for bringing us both of our guests on this show today. He is in Richmond, Virginia, with Renaissance Executive Forums. And Renaissance Executive Forums is an international organization. They're committed to helping their members take their businesses to the next level. If you'd like to learn more about Executive Forums, and why wouldn't you, visit executiveforums.com. This show is also brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Center Club, a member of Club Corp., Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. Our engineer for today's show is none other than Paul Roberts. Our producer is Crystal Nunley and assistant producer Amanda Pointer. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard, marketing strategist and live events manager, and soon to be VH1 superstar Asia Celestino. Our social media manager is Melissa Padandi. And VP of Sales is none other than Rose Chamara. If you'd like to learn more about our business, visit criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Until the next show, this is your host, Rick Franzi, saying I hope all of your business decisions will move your firm in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast Radio Show, business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.